listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Brian Reynolds. Brian is originally from the Chicago area and has served as the International Christian School of Vienna in Austria for the past 14 years. While at ICSV, he has been part of the faculty team that has implemented the International Baccalaureate Program and has taught IB Visual Arts for the past five years. Currently, he is transitioning to teaching high school, middle school, and elementary art and is giving over the IB classes to his colleague. He is also involved at the administrative level in the Fine Arts Department at ICSB as a department head. Brian is a father of three boys, ages 11, 9, and 3, and has been married to his wife, Betty, for the past 13 years this June. Brian can be followed on social media on Instagram at br3yn01d5 and ICSV underscore visual art. And you can also find him on Facebook. All right, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. So you are teaching in Austria, which seems like quite a leap from the Midwest. Can you let us know how that happened? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in a nutshell, it's a long story, but uh, I started right out of college uh, serving as a missionary in the Czech Republic. And after a year there, uh, that was the year that God introduced me to my wife. I met my wife there and uh, came down to Vienna just to visit a former professor who was at uh, ICSV, was doing an in-service, um, really wasn't honestly looking for a job or thinking I would, I didn't know if I would actually start teaching at that point. Um, and it was that visit with her that led me into the opportunity of being able to be in the position that I'm at, that I'm in now. So uh, the the leap was initially leaving everything I knew uh, to serve as a missionary, not knowing, you know, finishing college and, you know, going and wanting to just do something different, uh, really feeling drawn to the Czech Republic at the time, mm. um, not even aware that my wife would be there. <laughs> it wasn't something that was even on my horizon at that point in time. Um, but I'd really just left, yeah, I left the States to go and serve and, um, that's kind of how it all kicked off. And 14 years later, it's, I mean, it's really not something I thought, I mean, I didn't think I would be here more than two years initially. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy how that, how that works, but yeah, that's how I ended up in, in Europe. So. so, so what, what do you teach, Brian? Um, well, pretty much everything kind of revolves around visual arts for me. I have an art education um, undergrad degree, um, the master's in leadership. And so basically right now I, I'm finishing up a uh, year two, uh, with some seniors for the international baccalaureate. Um, and I'm teaching visual arts for inter- for IB, uh, right now. Um, plus, uh, like a general art appreciation, high school art credit, and then, um, all of our middle school art courses and then all of our elementary courses starting this year. Um, And so I've kind of been pretty busy. I feel like my whole career has been transitioning from one area to another, but essentially um, I was hired on for middle school and elementary initially and have grown into essentially helping run the visual arts program at our school. Um, We've added another teacher two years ago. We added another teacher to, and she taught for second and third grade last year. And this year has stepped into taking the other half of the IB courses. So 
um, yeah, my, my world is pretty much in the fine arts area. Um, I love visual art and that's where I've kind of fallen. So that's what I'm teaching now. Can you explain to us what that international baccalaureate program is and like how you decided to start that up? Yes. Yeah. So from like an American standpoint, I think it's very similar to, um, AP, uh, it's essentially a, gotcha. like an honors track for high school kids. Um, we added it at our school because we realized that we really needed to obviously prepare students for uh, going to university wherever, because uh, we currently have students from 60 plus countries. Um, and a U.S. high school diploma doesn't necessarily cut it in some places. Uh, so we added the IB program uh, as a way to better serve our international student body. Um, and it's been a definitely been a journey uh, trying to figure out. It's it, we we kind of joke that our program is inbred. Uh, we've been forced <laughs> to kind of reach out and connect professionally with people outside of our school uh, to be able to make sure we're doing things the way we should. Um, it's been a huge learning experience. Um, I joke the last five years has been more professional development than anything I could have possibly done, even like in a master's or whatever, because it's it's been a lot of kind of learn as we go. And, um, yeah, just doing things as best as we know how and asking others that are more experienced and we don't know what to do. So it's been a really interesting adventure. So, so, so talk about that too, because you're, mm -hmm. you, because you teach in a, in a very unique school and I've, and I've, and I've had the pleasure yeah. to visit it. Um, yeah. 60 plus countries is, mm -hmm. is amazing. How do you, how do you work with, with kids and, and also families from all these different backgrounds that, that may have different, different cultural values with regards to education? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I wish I could tell you that 14 <laughs> years has made me like some kind of expert in this. I think, I mean, honestly, uh, a lot of grace, a lot of um, realizing that maybe the way I think is best might not be the best way for our context that we're in. Um, I mean, personally, speaking personally, you know, I'm married to someone that's not American. Um, and just, you know, being in a intercultural marriage and family life, like that's, you know, there's different views on what good education is and what, you know, um, what a good system is even. And so I would say as our kids have gotten older and our kids are in the Austrian public school, um, mm. it's kind of opened my eyes a little bit as to how do we, how can we move forward to make things better from every standpoint? And uh, to be honest, I don't know that I have real good pointers, but I think, you know, having patience with people and being able to realize that it might seem crazy what someone's doing, but there's a reason for it and trying to find out what the underlying thing is. I think that's, that's probably been the key for me. Um, but by no means am I, would I consider myself an expert in that? I think cross-cultural communication is, I mean, at a base level, men and women talking together is cross-cultural. So I, I think even if you're from, even if you grew up in the same town your whole life, I think there's there's intercultural stuff happening. So, um, yeah, I think that answers the question. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> yeah, I hope that. Yeah. Can you explain to us your role as the fine arts level mm -hmm. administrator? Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I would not consider myself an administrator at all. Uh, I had to run, I ran an elementary staff meeting once because our 
elementary principal was sick and it was terrifying and I don't really <laughs> like to do administrative work, but um, the way that I've seen my role as fine arts department chair has been kind of like uh, official cheerleader. Um, I constantly feel like I'm not doing everything that I need to be doing or I'm not doing it so well, but my role as the administrator essentially is making sure all the fine arts teachers, which we have a huge department of three teachers. It's not, our school's not so big that we have a lot of the same issues as other departments, but um, fine arts is basically, we have a part-time elementary music teacher, a part-time secondary music teacher. Uh, we have a computer teacher that was thrown into the fine arts department because he's a creative guy um, <laughs> who also happens to be the director's husband. So that's kind of nice to have that in our department. Um, but essentially my role is just making sure all these people are, you know, they know what's going on. They know what's expected. Um, and just being there to encourage them, you know, and we have our secondary music person is new this year. So a lot of it has been just, uh, managing you know stuff gets to freak out level and just trying to say it's gonna be fine we just just breathe like you know it's this is you know it's there there's things that are gonna go easy things that are not and really being there is kind of the truth is kind of the, i would see my main administrative role um but it is something that kind of just got given to me because i've been there so long so it's i wouldn't say something i've aspired to but it's something i've taken on out of necessity. You volunt you were voluntold for it? <laughs> voluntold. That is a mm-hmm. fantastic way of mm-hmm. saying it. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> I yeah. There's been more than more than a few years where I'm just like, I, I can someone else do it? <laughs> yeah. Like I'd rather just be the sheep following, to be honest, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you know, I, I've been affirmed in the last couple of years that I'm supposed to be doing that job and I wish I said it, you know, wish I could say it's, it comes with some kind of financial benefit, but it's really, you know, we joke that it's these benefits in heaven, so to speak. So, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> extra helping of that, I guess. Well, 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 Brian, you know, one of the things that, that you were talking about, about being a, being a cheerleader for your colleagues is, is very much, yeah. the, very much the same as, as teachers when we're cheerleaders for our own, our own kids, you know, when we're, yep. when we're absolutely. When, when we're teaching so so there's there's that there's that same balance there um yeah. one of the things in which as you know as a someone who's who's ignorant in the fine arts um okay. you know um because <laughs> one of the things i mean i re, i remember because i taught history and social studies and i was trying to there was this one kid that was in my class um you know a little cholo type of guy, you know, and um, I was mad because he wasn't doing his work. And so one of my colleagues was like, well, Fred, have, you know, don't you know that he's a, that he's a gifted artist? And I said, what does art have to do with history? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was young, dumb and, whatever um so how you know what are some you know one of the things in which we're interested in is or in by the way i changed so so i was i was able to do some stuff and 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 by allowing him to to use his artistic talents he just Mm -hmm. flourished i mean it was amazing 
Um, in yeah. fact, when he when he when he presented his mural about the yeah. um, you know about what the Constitution meant to him, and this was a yeah. this was an inner city school. I just I just wept because I'm like yeah. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in this in this world of project based learning, problem based learning. Um, yeah. How do you incorporate things like that into the into the fine arts? Um, well, I would say I mean, it's it's interesting. I've, I've read a lot about project based learning and how that's kind of a big thing in education now, and that's just kind of always been. I mean, that's how how art is taught. I was talking with my colleague about this the other day, um, and we thrive in visual art with project based learning because you know a lot of like my approach with it has been. Um, giving students that that choice uh, or done figured out that if they have the chance to make something personal to, to be able to draw on something that um, that matters to them uh, I think of uh, there's a really good example of a student that came in in eighth grade first words out of his mouth um, I hate art I'm here because I gotta be here and I was like great high five let's uh let's move on, you know, and, um, and, you know, he's in 10th grade now and I have him actually in high school art, um, and he loves it. And, and the big difference I think is if you let kids know that you want them to, yes, there are things they have to accomplish in every class. Like they have to write the papers, they have to do the things that are expected, but if they can take ownership and you can find a way to get them to take ownership of it, I, I think for me, um, that, been the key and with this particular student it was just showing him that no matter what he said or what he did he he likes to say things that would just you know get him attention even if it's negative attention um and this particular guy like he went on the art trip that we took to venice he you know he's been involved with theater now um this kid that comes in and says i i hate art i don't want to be here um and so for me you know i guess bring it back to the you know the project-based learning i think any project that you can have a student have have a possibility for them to to make it personal or something from their life, I, I really feel like that's going to teach them so much more than just like, hey, I think this is good for you, and you prescribe kind of do do this. Which education? I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of things you can't get away from that. You have to. There are times for you know lecturing certain information they're not going to get otherwise. Um, but I think for me, it's trying to recognize that, yes, I do know things that they need to know, but how can I get them to kind of realize that and not just tell them, you know, like if I'm just talking at them, (laughs) if I'm not making an effort to get to know where they're at and understand who they are. Um, And this particular student I talked about loves very geometric artwork. He's very precise. He loves, he's basically an MC Escher type student. He wants to do graphic work that makes sense to him. And that's, that's okay. Like that's part of art. And so I think trying to relate the subject to kids in a way that they understand that not everyone's artsy fartsy, but absolutely everybody is creative. Like they have to be like, they might not be a professional artist when they grow up, but they, they're creative in one form or another, whether it's, you know, how they crunch the numbers as an accountant or how they, you know, how they make an argument as a lawyer, like there is creativity. And I think, um, in my art classes, it's yes, there's content. They have to learn certain things about certain artists and certain movements. But um, I, I think 
the big thing behind all that we're doing is is trying to get them to to see that yeah they are creative um so that's yeah i don't know i, I kind of went off on a tangent there but uh, i don't know if that wow you were, you were in your bio, you mentioned that you were encouraging a sketchbook yeah. culture. Can you yeah. explain yeah. what that means and what that looks like? Um, well, that came out of uh, me realizing that essentially I have always wanted students to keep a sketchbook and kind of, you know, put their ideas in there and just, you know, their artwork would come from those ideas. Um, and I realized at the beginning of this school year that it had become a list of things students had to check off. They had to do the assignment, um, and it killed me because that was not that was not the point. Um, and what was actually the big catalyst for me to start thinking about this sketchbook culture is to think about it as um, something the kids don't just have to do because they're in my class, but something where they can get comfortable just getting their ideas out of their head onto paper and just having this culture of this is not an assignment. This is something that can benefit everyone. I, I think that you know I, I'm convinced that. To some extent, journaling can can help everyone, regardless of what um, their learning style is. And so for me, this culture in my classroom is helping them to understand that getting those thoughts out of their head um, can not only be this kind of almost like a therapy, but it can very much be um, a catalyst to creating new creative work um, and processing you know, what they're learning in other classes um, at the IB level. So 11th and 12th grade, I've had students that are just doodling or writing something they're thinking about in chemistry class, you know, because they, they have a lull and like maybe the teacher's lecturing or something and they jot something down in their sketchbook. And that leads to an idea that they create something and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. And that should be like, that's the whole point, right? Is the right. creativity and art, there's so many, there's no way to just put it in a box. Like it, it's, yeah. it's so broad um, and to get give the kids kind of that idea that art is such a broad thing um, I think creates opportunities for them to personally connect to it and I think that's what the sketchbook culture is just trying to push the idea of putting your thoughts out of here somewhere you know and it could be a digital document it could be for my elementary kids it could be on seesaw because we started using that a lot and they love it um, but I think it, 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 you have to get those thoughts out, you know, and, and I think it's, it's important to do so. Yeah. so that, that's, that's the thing about the sketchbook culture is it's just getting away from this assignment and this checkbox thing and more towards, you know, this is just something that can help me. Right. You know, one of the things that, that I was, I was thinking about, uh, because I used to have my, have my students keep their, keep their journals in, and I would introduce every single, every single class where they, they, they had a free, like, like a, like a free write. Um, they could write about mm -hmm. anything for like the first three to five minutes in class, or I would, or I would have a prompt up, um, if they, if they wanted to use that and I would read through everyone's and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, and at times I needed to address them just, you know, privately just because yeah. of, of, of stuff that they're, that they wrote. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It, do you do that also if there's because not being an art person, I was encouraged by by one of my art teacher te teacher ed students. She bought me like a bunch of paints, um, mm -hmm. sketchbooks, pencils, yeah. and blah blah blah. And yeah. so I started to sketch stuff, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm pretty dark." Um, <laughs> so 
yeah. So, no, but I, yeah, so, I, I think, yeah. So as yeah. a, as a, as a teacher, when you look through these sketches, are you, are you prompted to talk to them about stuff that they're doing? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that always depends on like the relationship. Um, yeah. if I, if I feel like the student is open to me talking to them about, I mean, obviously like, you know, as an educator, if there's something that I feel like they're going to hurt themselves or they're going to hurt someone else, then I have to, and there has been, you know, there have been instances even in a Christian school setting. Um, an IB student a few years ago that was doing a lot of work, uh, connected to self-harm. Um, and we had to actually sit him down with the school counselor and just say, look, like, you know, what's going on? You know, we're, we're concerned. Um, and it was all, it's always from this standpoint of like, we're not here. I, I would never tell my students they can't create something in my class. Um, if they want to create it in the classroom, um, that's one thing, uh, to share it with me. Absolutely. They need the freedom to do that. Um, and if they don't get, like, like I said, if they don't get it out, I mean, any psychologist will tell you, if you don't get those things out, it's going to kind of eat you from the inside. And so I would rather that the students get that out and have an avenue to share it. Um, this particular student was not contemplating self-harm. It was just simply they were dealing with the fact that, you know, their parent had died a year ago and it was, it was, it was a very tough thing. Right. And, and I think kids deal with a lot of really tough stuff. And especially in art, I feel like they're, they gravitate towards sharing that and creating art about that um, and trying you know, I think having that outlet is more more important than um, trying to censor what they do. Uh, and I have that is actually a it's a big big topic uh, in the visual art department because we had a student a few years back, and I won't give a lot of information about it. But essentially, you know, being in a Christian school setting, if a student wants to create something that says something contrary to the school's worldview, what do we do? You know, as a Christian school that cares for the students, like how do we approach something like that? And I wish I could tell you that we have a great solution, but I mean, to be honest, I think it all comes back to having the relationships with the kids to the point that you can know how to approach topics like that and be able to talk about it. Cause I think we really do a disservice if we don't talk to the kids about this stuff because they, they may only talk to their art teacher about it. You know, it's, yeah. It may not be something they feel comfortable talking to anyone else about. And so it's it's a place to start, you know, and a lot of kids are amazing at communicating visually and that's how they speak. And we have to give them that 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 way to communicate. Yeah, and the things that they deal with, even in the context of the Christian school, which is kind of a bubble, once they yeah. leave that, Absolutely. they're no longer in that bubble. The world is not in that Christian bubble context anymore. So these are, this is real world, real stuff. So I think it's, it's good that you allow them that academic freedom in a way, or I guess artistic freedom to express themselves, but are also just alert to what the underlining meanings might be too. Yep. That's right. Um, coming, coming from a, well, since you, since you work at a, at an, at an international, um, do you, do you collaborate with, with, with other teachers out, um, outside of the school or with, or with organizations? Um, and if so, can you talk about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the desire, uh, speaking for myself personally, like I think the desire is there. Um, I've always tried to uh, connect to local, you know, local organizations. Uh, we have a, a one example, I think, of a collaboration uh, because I have a background in ceramics. I wanted to do um, middle school ceramics course, which, yes, I'm crazy. I don't know why I would do that, but um, it's been fantastic. We've done it for the last four semesters. Um, wow. Every semester we go to a local, there's a local pottery cafe that actually will teach the kids how to use um, a potter's wheel and they get that experience of actually working with clay in that way. Um, and so that's a local collaboration where we've we've done that um, to a small extent. Um, uh, I would say there's been a couple other instances where I've met other educators in different parts of the world and we've done like projects together. Um, but yeah, we're, we're certainly as a school, we're, we're trying, we're starting um, PLCs next year uh, as a way to kind of um, get ideas flowing across subject areas. Um, I, and I, I'm really looking forward to what that can bring uh, to the visual arts department. Um, I think we, I can speak for my colleague and myself, we're both very open to that. Uh, we haven't had a chance to do as much as we'd like. Um, being in a small school setting too is a little bit more difficult. But um, I would say definitely as a staff, we're pretty, pretty open to doing what we can to collaborate. So. Well, if you if you ever want to talk to a social studies person about art, then now you know who, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who you can talk to. Um, you know, one of the things that we that here in the here in the states that uh, you know with this pandemic that's that that's going on, uh, we really haven't heard much about about Austria. Um, how is everything going going there, and how is how is this affecting you um, as someone in the, the visual arts? And then, um, you know, how is this also affecting your um, kids? Whew, that's that's uh, a so basically. Uh, I'll start with the facts, I guess, and then more what I think about it. Um, the fact is, uh, since oh, what was it? We just finished week two. We've been closed physically. Our school's been closed for two weeks. Um, and we've been doing, from the get-go, we've been doing online learning, uh, which has been, our school was, our secondary was all kind of, we've been, for the last five years, we've been operating over Google Classroom, uh, at least for giving out, you know, like I, I tell people I haven't given out a single paper handout in the last five years, uh, just because I got tired of picking them up after kids leave. Um, and, and so I've been distributing things that way. Um, so we're, we've been able to manage secondary pretty well. Elementary kids are just sponges and just, they have done such a great job at transitioning to online. I told my wife today, like, I'm okay if we end up not going back all year, like we can run stuff online. Um, my biggest challenge is the ceramics class that I have, like how am I <laughs> supposed to, you know, unless mm -hmm. parents are willing to get you know, clay for their kids. Like, I don't know what they can actually do. Yeah. Um, and so I can't require them to get clay. So it is definitely a challenge. Um, I would say, you know, currently Austria has, I think it's like over 8,000 cases of the coronavirus, yep. uh, like 400 wow. or so of those are in Vienna alone. Um, so there is a lot of, in general, there's a lot of, um, as, as everywhere. I mean, from what I've read, it's, a lot of just a lot of fear. Um, I would say for me personally, um, I kind of go between fear and not <laughs> being afraid. I'm kind of uh, depends on the minute each day. Um, 
but you know it's just it's so unprecedented that i think we don't we're, we're excited for when we can go back to school if we can go back to school this year uh, we're not really sure still waiting to hear on that we have uh, easter break after next week and so um, we have to make it through this week <laughs> and then we have two weeks off to kind of wrap our heads around what we're going to do if we have to be online the rest of the school year so it's it's obviously affecting so much um, my wife and i actually run an airbnb guest room and that has been that has meant a little you know a certain amount of income every month that we're not going to have for who knows how long and so it has really affected our life here um our kids i i try to feel them out as far as what they what they think about it um i have a, an 11 year old that's basically trying to wrap his head around like okay now i have to email teachers to turn in work like he doesn't he sent an entire message and the whole message was in the subject line like that's where we're at you know and he's he's learning how to do it. And I, I'm realizing, okay, my role <laughs> as his dad. And I, I literally just realized this yesterday. Okay. He's been at home online for two weeks. Okay. Last week, Wednesday, he found out that he had a school email address. <laughs> uh, th- th- no, this is, this is how it is. Okay. And it's, <laughs> it's hard because I'm trying to get stuff done and do my work. And I just assume that he's got it figured out. And, dude doesn't know how to email and I didn't realize I need to teach him how to do it. And it's, so I, I would say in general, like we're managing, um, I think this week is going to be a lot better because we at least know how the lines of communication are working. Um, I just think it's been a huge challenge for everybody. Uh, I'm really impressed with our kids teachers though. They're very organized. They have sent, um, enough work for the kids so that they can be busy at least in the morning um, afternoons are another, another thing, (laughs) but, uh, it's been really, I mean, overall, honestly, like I told my wife, like I feel more relaxed than if I was working at school all day. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really been a surprising, how would I, what would I call it? A surprising, not mental break, like a, a surprising improvement in some ways. I mean, obviously I miss, you know, student contact and being able to like be in front of them when they're working on, on their artwork. But, but, um, I, I think it's been a, it's, it's been good so far. And I, and I really just hope that it, it's something that's going to improve what we do when we go back to the classroom. Um, I think it's been, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just something that's going to go in the history books and, yeah. um, it's something that I'll tell my grandchildren about and they're not, you know, by then they'll probably be like, well, duh like we're online all the time for school anyway grandpa you're crazy like and I was like yeah but I remember the time where it switched you know like Mm -hmm. and I I think it's it's just it's very historic times that we're we're living in and um and people are gonna make art about it now because history I said and people will make art about it now because of history yeah (laughs) I've been I've been thinking about it because I think it's uh, for myself as an artist, I've had like terrible artist block the last two weeks because mm. I've just been trying to process everything. Um, but I think uh, I think there will be a lot of amazing works coming out. I just saw there was a statue in Vienna. We went for a walk because we're still allowed to walk. Mm-hmm. So we're out walking. As long as we're allowed to leave our houses, we're going to be doing that. Um, but we saw this statue that had someone had climbed up and put a mask on him. And so it's this statue from like the late 1800s bronze statue and he's got this like thing wrapped around his face it's oh hilarious my gosh, that is funny. but it's things like that you know I, I think you know art does express where people are and um yeah, yeah. I, I think it's 
you know interesting what, Brian, time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brian, you, you you brought up a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and and I think that as as soon as teachers under um, understand this, then then many more changes will 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 take place. When you when you said that even you as a you as an educator and your wife. Mm-hmm who is also an educator, mm-hmm. when you realize that, that, that your own son really didn't know how to do stuff, um, now imagine parents that aren't teaching and they're not in the education field. Um, and yeah. now we're asking parents to supplement what we've been mm-hmm. doing in order to yeah. help, you know, yeah help their, you know, help their kids out. How do you think that's, that's going to change? Um, well, I mean, I, I was talking to my mom, my mom is a doctor in education and she's finishing up. She's retiring this year from her university. She teaches that, but, um, she mentioned she went into Best Buy. I think it was the Monday, like, like in the afternoon, that Monday after school was mostly closing. It was the 13th of March. I forget the exact date. But she went into Best Buy and they're like, yeah, we've sold so many computers in the last 10 hours. They're like, we're because like, people that that's, you know, parents are thinking, OK, I mean, some households, the kids like my 11 year old, thankfully, has he's got a phone. He's got his tablet. He can he can use that. You know, he's actually learning to use it for what it's meant for. You know, um, some, you know, the, up until now, they've been like playing games and, you know, watching like, movies. Fortnite. What? He's like, what? I can do homework on this? I'm like, yes. Well, we got it for you. You know, and it's, I, I think parents are realizing, they're realizing the things that, like, I'm realizing the things I take for granted, right? Like, yeah. Gmail is really easy to manage, and his school email is not. And so I'm like, is there any way to put his school email through Gmail, you know? And it's just these things that we just don't think about. Like, yeah it's just hard. Like if he doesn't know how to, if he doesn't know what a subject line is in an email and he doesn't know where the message goes, like that has to be told that has to be shared with him. Um, and he's literally going from a system that was like, he would come into school every day. The teacher would say, Hey, do you have your work done? And he would physically turn it in. There was nothing online about it. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, he can't even talk to the teacher. He has to write what he wants to say. And if he doesn't know what to do, he's got to ask somebody like, actually take the initiative to do it like that has been a huge change that i mean depending on a kid you know if a kid is really resourceful and a good question asker and very inquisitive they're going to go after it and they're going to ask the teacher and they're going to bug the teacher believe me i have students like that that have just not let me sleep you know like they're sending messages all the time trying to make sure they're doing it right and i've had to say literally just breathe relax (laughs) We're going to be fine. Like, you know, I have one kid that turned all her work in and wanted to know her grade like that. And I'm like, just calm down. Let me sort through the billion emails that I have and I'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, and it's just because you can because turn it in was, instantly doesn't mean it gets graded instantly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And we do, you know, like we have that the online school system where they can check their grades in real yeah. time. And it just it's becoming hard for me to kind of manage that feeling of like, I'm doing a terrible job because I have all these kids asking about mm. stuff. But in reality, they're learning patience and they're learning that oh. this is not a fast food education world that happens really quick. 
like we have to have patience with each other. I mean, I literally just sent out an email to all my classes and said, Hey guys, end of quarter, got everything wrapped up right now. Um, I haven't lost my mind yet, um, but I will get things done in time. Just be patient, you know? And, and it's, I, I think with everything going online and everything becoming this kind of instant, I think there is this need for kids to have that patience with themselves, with their teachers, with their classmates. Um, so. What do you think is the hardest thing as a parent during this time with your, all of your kids online? Um, well, we had yesterday was a pretty, uh, I don't know, pivotal day. It was, it was an important day because it was the day that I realized, Hey, I can actually really help. <laughs> I can have, I, I can be the agent of, like, I can kind of de-stress my child, if that makes sense. Like, I think, because my oldest son, because he's in his, it would be like sixth grade. Um, and it's the second year of gymnasium is what they call it here. And uh, so it's really, you know, the system here is really like, you know, kids have to figure it out. Like the teacher is going to give them the information and the kids have to process it. They have to ask questions. They have to be inquisitive. And if they aren't, or if they have trouble problem solving, there's not going to be a lot of support coming unless it's from the parents. Um, and I'm realizing that that is my job. That is my, one of my other purposes. Okay. And it's, it's hard to manage because I feel like I'm doing that for everybody else's kid online. Yeah. Um, and then I have to do it for my son too. But, um, I think, you know, yesterday he kind of, you know, he had a little bit of a breakdown and he just, he realized how big a deal it was to not be responding to emails and not be, um, you know, he didn't know how to do any of this stuff and he just kind of would rather go play a video game and not think about it. Um, you know, and to sit down with him and say, look, like that's not a solution. We have, we can do this. You can do it. You know, um, I, I just think there's a lot of chance that kids are just going to have higher anxiety. The parents don't realize that, um, yeah, this is a huge, huge, huge change. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a big thing. Um, and for kids, especially my 11 year old, like, I mean, his teacher three weeks ago was like, kids shouldn't be online any more than they have to. And now she's like sending emails all the time. And I'm just like, woman, like <laughs> her, her philosophy has totally like got whiplash. I mean, yeah. it's, and that's happening across the board. So I think, mm. you know, because we have, we have all these things set up to help control our kids screen time and all this. And I have to add screen time so that they can actually get their work done. And it's just like, it is exhausting, like to figure out what's fair and what's going to work. And, right. Um, I think it's, it makes rest even more important. And that's yeah. why I've really tried to stick to this, um, you know, at least during the weekdays, like afternoons, I'm not working as much. Like I can answer stuff on my phone here and there, but mm -hmm. you know, the morning I sit down and I'm actually really focused and I'm working in the afternoons. I got to spend time with my family and make sure that my, my kids are, getting done what they need done and that they have time to just be kids too you know so I think it's it, it's definitely yeah I think we're we've hit another level uh, the whole world is just kind of yeah in a lot of ways it's a lot easier but it's also my 11 year old has grown up a lot in the last two weeks wow. so, learning about yeah. responsibility and accountability yeah yeah it sounds like you're doing a nice job of breaking up that screen time, though, with taking walks around outside mm, to get to. them. Yeah. And that's a good opportunity, too, to 
mm-hmm. to create learning experiences in the world. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely, it's a challenge. <laughs> well, as we're, as we're winding down, Brian, one of the, mm-hmm. one of the last things that we, that we asked all, all of our participants is to share with their call to action. Um, so you as a educator, what is your call? I read this question beforehand and I still, um, I think that, and speaking as a parent where, you know, before this whole virus thing happened, I honestly was like, you know, my, my kids in school, the teachers are going to handle work with them. And as his parent, like, I'll just make sure he actually does stuff, but I'm not going to, I'm not really his teacher. Right. Like, and that was my, I guess my, the way, my way of thinking. And I know based on my interactions and social media, there are a ton of parents out there like me. Um, maybe even add to the fact, as you said, you know, that you're, you know, you're not an educator, so you don't feel like you can teach your kids. And the truth is like, we teach our kids every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my call to action, if you will, would just let this time be its own call to action. Let this time where we have to be at home with our kids let it be a time to help us recenter what matters. Um, I mean, and I mean, the kids are, you know, it's been said many times, the kids are the, are the, the future of, of our world. And, and I think that as teachers, I mean, that's why I do what I do, um, investing in that generation. Um, and that's what, you know, parents, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And so my call to action is just be present and be, um, and I'm saying it to myself as much as anyone else, be present with, the little ones uh, with the, even the not so little ones. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Fred, I know your kids are, are grown now, but still be present with them. Be, let them know that, that you're there and that you want to share what you know, um, not in an overbearing way, but it, you know, in a way that's, that's relatable. Um, and I think that's, that's what my call to action would be, I guess. I don't know if it's really, I like it. No, no I like it. Know, so. Very good. Be present. Ryan, thanks so much for sharing um, your work with us and your experiences. And um, we shared your social media if, um, or your, yeah, your social media, if teachers want to connect with you. So thank you for that. But um, yeah, enjoy this time at home with your kids and (laughs) I'll work on being present and sharing that with them. We enjoy the time when we get out of the house. Definitely. (laughs) Thanks Thanks so much for your time. Have a great night. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. You too. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.